Hello once again. Welcome to the Squiggly Film Club. I'm Ben Mitchell, joined by Laura Beth Cowley. Hello, Laura. Hello. And Steve Henderson. Hello, Steve. Hello. Today on the Squiggly Film Club, we are going to be watching Watership Down. Beat the snot out of Animal Farm. Boo. Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I think it was probably probably a, a pretty close one. Yes. They always tend to be. 55% to 45%. And the most votes we've ever had on a squiggly film club vote. Oh, oh weird. People yeah. love animals. They certainly do. You excited? <sighs> Fuck it up. <laughs> 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 that was such silence. Yes. Yes, I am. I like how your I mean, yes sounded the, like it was edited in. Third time I've ever seen this film. I think it'll be the, maybe the second. Mm. I didn't actually. Um, do we? Shall we start it and do the intro while it's introducing? Yeah, it's, why not? Save some I minutes. I will say that the beginning of the film, like many films that we talk about, is my favourite part of the film, mm. and then yeah. my interest quickly wanes. Okay. So the the the. Uh, prologue. Yeah, in a I really like that style. bit and the end bit. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> see what you're talking about. Yeah. So we've got our um, uh, films queued up. We're watching it, the Criterion Collection release, mm. which I believe is the most recent home media release. Uh, so we're all queued up. So three, two, two one, play. play. So we got the uh, spinny, circly thing, the Criterion Collection comes spinning up on our screen. If you're watching along at home, that's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And then Janus Films, or Janus, or Janus, whichever one you want Janus. to call it. <laughs> we saw another Janus film the other day by weird coincidence. Mm. Yeah. It was our introduction to the oeuvre. Uh, it was a wonderful Japanese film called House, which I think came out around that's the same time as this. Yeah, that was weird. That has some fantastic animation in it. Are you guys still There's... watching horror? Is that what you... Oh, well, always. All right. <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, that wasn't a passing phase. That's that... <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some Sphank Meyer-y pixelation bits in it, but also just it's some astonishingly mental. bad VFX. It's so it's wonderful. good. <laughs> but onto this film. So we're on, I think, this prologue bit that you were talking about. This Laura. bit kind of, like, retrospectively reminds me of uh, Andres Hokkades stuff a little bit. I can see a little bit of that, yeah. It's it's kind of like um, Andreas meets the kind of Aboriginal art, you know, like mm. Australian Aboriginal art. It's um, I think it's that this bit with the sun mm. reminds me of his stuff. That the, kind of constant flowing. Some of the kind of bold graphical visual, like thing, how he may have animated as a child, <laughs> like, <laughs> really patterny, but like with all the colours and no discipline. There's a lot of repetition as well. I think that's a very Andreas Heikady uh, mm. uh, thing. And if people want to read an interview with Andreas Heikady, they can do on Squiggly. Ben's put one up this week, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, the beginning bit of the film is particularly interesting in, in terms of it setting out the folklore of the film, obviously. But it's also uh, the only remaining part of the film by the original director, John Hubley. Um the film's director changed because uh, uh, the film that we are watching now was uh, directed by Martin Rosen, who was originally a producer, but John Hubley, uh, who had worked on Snow White and Dumbo and Bambi and all these things, 
was working on the film for about a year and this is one of the well this is the only part of his vision of the film that remained this kind of um folklory uh dream sequency kind of telltale beginning it's interesting because it's very not bambi yes yeah it's an interesting sort of blend of kind of cartooniness and that sort of really appealing graphical stuff so right now you've got this bunny just kind of telling the sun god to kiss his ass doesn't it feel weird <laughs> that there's a shadow to to you i feel like the fact that there's a shadow on the bunny and nothing else really bizarre i love it yeah it's, it's really kind stark. of an, a, a pairing of like what you know because then before we had that wonderful bit where all the creatures are being like devoured but depicted in this really kind of like flat way where they instantly just become like little red creatures like they're being picked off in a video game mm. um like it's odd that he's got some depth to him as well like to me i find that quite jarring and then it goes into and these very flat and now sequences he doesn't. it's yeah. a bit odd it's a bit inconsistent i guess well he's become a completely different creature he's but glowed he up like this for a second with shadow as well right so it's a bit I think it's the shadow because he's talking to the sun. I think that's what that bit is, and now he's kind of in the world. But why didn't the tree have shadow? Uh, Why did you ask John Hubbard? And now the shadow's just (laughs) as characters. The shadow consistency in this film has often been... What the hell are you playing at? (laughs) Well, the reason that he was kicked off the film, John Hubbard, is because after a year working... shadow nonsense. Yeah, (laughs) shadow nonsense. But after a year working on the film, apparently there was a disagreement about the amount of work completed, and that work could obviously be shadows that weren't completed. Um, But yeah, we're kind of transitioning now into a lot more kind of detail would say a little bit more realistic and hmm. watercolory backgrounds and yeah we're in the english countryside this is a bit more bambi oddly yeah, yeah i mean I, I think that it's definitely um i mean it's it's more in the territory of you know identifiable and anim- animals clearly based on real life reference and proportions and stuff but it's a very it, its identity is also pretty separate. Like, it's got a whole sensibility to itself. Did mm. either of you ever read the book? No. I didn't. No. Me neither. Good. Well, we, we can spare the <laughs> listeners our comparisons to the uh, the source material. I do gather that compared to, say, Roald Dahl, him being a frequent name uh, that comes up on this podcast when it comes to film adaptations... Um, that he quite liked the film. Yeah. Uh, the author um, liked this vision of what he wrote, so it's got that going for it. These mm. cows don't have shadow either. For Christ. That's going to be my thing for this episode. <laughs> Just pointing out when there's no shadow for no reason. They've got shading. It's shadow madness. Because it's often the thing in my own films that I forget until much after. <laughs> I remember being in grading for the last film we made and being like, fuck, I didn't put any shadows in. Just <laughs> floating. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a good way of making your film a lot more expensive than it, it is. What, putting no shadows in? Just putting shadows in. <laughs> it's lens flare all the way for me. Yeah. Look at this completely static image of an eye. It blinked. This is a kind of odd establishing thing of the kickers. The character never looks like that no, again that in the film. Yeah. It's like, look at all the little fine uh, detail that uh, we're going to just sidestep for the room. It's in the, ha- in the grass, I guess. 
It's on anything that doesn't move. It's a bit like those kind of Looney Tunes moments where they would have, like, the really close zoom in mm. on, like, you know, someone holding up something. Um, and you get nice sort of detail in that for, like, a second. And then back to the flat colors. So this is, like, notoriously one of those uh, films that give people nightmares when they were children because of the whole bunny-on-bunny bunny violence. Well, it's all sorts of animals on animal violence. It's everyone's everyone's having a pop. Yeah. But similarly, once again, to Bambi, in the sense that like lots of people found Bambi's mum dying really sad. And similarly with this, I think maybe because I don't think I saw it as a child, never really affected me because I grew up in the countryside, and so my attitude was like, yeah, that's how bunnies are. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I was sort of this... Like, I think I actually saw this... On TV, I hadn't really been aware of it as a kid. Um, it wasn't one of the ones that I was sort of plonked down in front of. And I think I kind of heard about it from the League of Gentlemen. Because mm. there's a scene where he's singing the song. Mm. Um, and then it was on TV, and so I was kind of curious as to what the reference was. Uh, so it didn't, I think, have its way with me in terms of marring my psychological development and making me terrified of nature and bunnies. Um, but also, yeah, rabbits were pretty vicious and also living in the countryside. Occasionally you would find some leftovers of their carnage. Like a bunny eating another bunny. Yeah. Or, or like a a fox will have had a go or a bird will have had a go. I mean, when you've woken up multiple times to all of your chickens being ripped apart by foxes, you're not that fussed by things anymore. No. Like anything. Or walking in on your dad, like skinning a deer. (laughs) Of all the, th- the ways that sentence could have ended, skinning a deer was the... P- I was so relieved. Yeah. I, I think it sounds just like a euphemism. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Cowley. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. Oh, thank God. But if we ever need a deer skinned... Well. <laughs> or also walking into our shed quite regularly and like getting fucked in the face by pheasants. Again. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so, uh, so this character. Um, let me see if I can remember the names of the characters. So, the visionary character is Ah oh Christ. Is it Fiverr? Why did you do this to yourself? Uh, Fiverr, yeah. yeah. And his brother is a oh, Christ alive. I looked Why at the Wikipedia today. <laughs> Hazel. Hazel and Fiverr and um, Big Wig later on. Mm. So I'm remembering some of them. Anyway, so Hazel has just seen this vision of the um, the field drenched in blood. Uh, doesn't have a lot of context, but basically he's just wigging out. And he's saying, we got a mosey on out of Dodge. Let's get every other rabbit in a panic. And... Um, get the hell out of here and so they indulge him i guess because he's been right with his visions before Hmm. um and so soon they will be uh, off on their quest after they uh have a conflab with their um all those two bunnies going oh wait no more is that big wig with the wig with the toupee that would um hang on (laughs) That'd make sense. <laughs> you know what would what would help? 
Because here's the thing. They all look like rabbits. <laughs> Colored bandanas. So you can differentiate who's who. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Well, in Chicken Run, they all look like chickens. Yeah, but they all have features, don't they? Like, they all have a different neckerchief. Yeah. Mm. So this is the, it's the difference between Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2. Because <laughs> basically, in the first one, they're basically the same Muppet. Yeah. But in Gremlins 2, you've got, like, you know... Uh, big, uh, by the way. The cool. You've got Batman Gremlin and... Um, all of Electric the Gremlin. Lady and Gremlin. Lady Gremlin. <laughs> there was a great uh, Jordan Peele thing on um, the sort of development of Gremlins 2. There's a little YouTube recommendation for you. Look up Jordan Peele Gremlins 2. Um, about how absolutely batshit that movie is. Okay, another so, random question. Has anyone watched the the new Watership CGI version? I'm not finished with this one yet. Yeah, should we just marathon all the... Yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something like three hours long, isn't it? Uh, the, the TV, the uh, Netflix series. Oh, yeah, series. it was like a mini-series, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there have been a couple of versions since this one, and I don't think... I mean, certainly thus far, this is the one that's considered, like, the definitive mm. adaptation. I saw a very cumbersome uh, DVD set of one that was made, I think, about 15 or 20 years ago. Um, that I think was just another 2D version, but it was a TV series, maybe. Yeah, there was um, one made one made in 1999 with uh, Rick Mail, Stephen Fry, and John Hurt again. That's a, is he playing the same bunny? No, he's playing the baddie. Think, ah, yeah. fiendish, fiendish. Yeah. Uh, did you see that version? I'd like to see it if Rick Mail's in it. I can imagine him playing the uh, the seagull that we see later on. I love Rick Mail, and I miss him dearly. But him being in a thing was n- not, generally speaking, a hallmark of its quality. Get out! Give it like, over! Get out! Get out of here! When he was good, he was great, and he would elevate a lot of stuff. Yeah. But he was also in a lot of dog shit. Go on, then. Give me seven examples. <laughs> seven ex- <laughs> Um What was the film we did with Christian Slater? Um, he did a film with Christian Slater that right, uh, wasn't very good. one. <laughs> he did, a, he did uh, Bring Me the Head of Mavis Davis. That was... Why am I shitting on a dead man's fucking legacy? <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> anyway, he may have he may have brought um, something wonderful to the Watership Down series. Who am I to presume? <laughs> yeah, big. Uh, I mean, maybe I've just been exposed to his best work, you know. But he did. Um, yeah, he saved the first series of Blackadder with that one cameo. I'll give you that. Yeah, you don't really need to watch the rest. Yeah. I have to say, I I, I, I like John Hurt in this. I thought in general the voice acting in this, because, I mean, it's it's very much of its time. Like, it's a bit stilted and it's a bit kind of like, sometimes you get the vibe that people are using completely different microphones and environments. And I think that's just sort of the nature of 
the Beast films made around this sort of time. Mm. But there is something quite appealing about it. Like, it's played very straight. No one is going at it like they're humanizing uh, a cute little um, creature with big, adorable eyes kind of thing. It's all just people just talking Mm. and making plans and, you know... um, it's very dialogue heavy, isn't it? We- yeah, I mean, it's it, that really kind of carries the film because it's, there are certain films I think where you could sort of watch the action and follow it pretty clearly, but they really do. You really do need to like hear what's being said to kind of get what the mission is or what the plan is. Why, when? Because uh, again, there's nothing really identifying. You know, this rabbit is the the, the doe, or this rabbit is the the main one, or this is the younger brother or the older brother. Like, you have to really kind of be studying it to pick out the sort of differences in the drawings. So we are just watching with the sound off a bunch of rabbits, occasionally with their mouths moving. <laughs> um, but they they're not enormously anthropomorphized beyond talking. Like they aren't. Uh, the body language is way more rabbit than person as opposed to say a film like Zootopia where, you know, it would really be much more modeled on human interaction and that kind of thing. Um, There's something about this film that kind of reminds me of Carton Saloon as well. Like the constant flowing environments and the kind of artistry of it all. The graphics at the beginning are very Cartoon Saloon, aren't they? It's a little bit Book of Kells. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or predecessor, at least. You're right about the anthropomorphism. I think that's that's really important. I've made, I've I've seen it um, named a few times as they're anthropomorphic rabbits, but they are only to a certain extent. You know, they're not the reason that we're having difficulty, obviously, following this thing, um, is because you know the rabbit. They are rabbits very much so. Their eyes are on the side of their head. They're not. Their eyes aren't right at the very front. They're not stood on they're not wearing gloves they're not stood on the hind legs and you know i mean at no point do they ever really move like humans it's not like he's going you know scooping his hand and being like this way boys it's yeah yeah he is just sort of looking back and forth in a way that bunnies do there's something human in them i think because that's that's one of the reasons that people say they get so people get so upset with this film when they see the rabbits fighting it's because it's like watching people fighting it's not. It's like watching rabbits fighting, <laughs> cartoon rabbits. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of feel like if it's like watching people fighting, who gives a shit? <laughs> Just look out your window. Everyone's mad all the time. No, I, I, I always assumed it was because they were like you know it, it's an ostensibly acute bunny film, and then they're scratching each other's faces off. I guess the only reason why they don't really read as bunnies a hundred percent of the time is because. They generally they just look terrified all the time. Like I've never seen a serious looking bunny, <laughs> or like a bunny that's like I'm out for business. Business <laughs> or bunny. Like I have, <laughs> I have like, you know, they all just look like this guy just terrified. Like please don't sit on or stand on me. <laughs> I'm gonna run away now. Just perpetually anxious. Yeah. I'd like business world, money. You know. I'd like business money. Bunny to turn up with his briefcase and his spreadsheets. I'm here for all the carrots. <laughs> We've not got any budget for carrots or shadows. We've got. <laughs> I'm business bunny. We've Lassie for some reason is here now. Like. That water is very confusing to me. 
Okay, what I don't remember, maybe you guys do, is so he had the vision of like the blood in the field, and they have to all leave. But- that little bunny is the epitome of. It. He looks like a hamster. <laughs> like this, this, these are bunnies. She's like, what? Ah, ah, <laughs> terrified all the time. Oh, everything's bigger than me. <laughs> Hairs, however, life, isn't it? Hairs, however, always look angry. Right. Because they are proper bruisers. Oh, nice, nice job not falling off that plank. Dead. <laughs> uh, nope. There we go. Um, so he had the vision and that's why they're all like looking for Watership Down um, or just anywhere better than Bloodfield. What actually (laughs) then happens then? What's the vision? What happens to the place that they left? (laughs) Nothing. It was fine. (laughs) I do like the idea of it being called Bloodfield. That's like, you know, (laughs) everything's nice hearing Bloodfield. (laughs) You just misinterpreted it. It was just poppies growing. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think um, it, it's a classic tale, isn't it? It's. It's. We need to find our way to, uh, you know, to, to find um, Warship Down. So I think they're originally. I think Warship Down is the uh, goal, isn't it? You know, the, the beginning. They're um, somewhere else. Uh, yeah, but why why were they running away from bl- the field of blood? Well, they they foresee that uh, something bad's going to happen, but apparently it's it's building development. That's the, ah. the thing that was, that was foreseen. And right, okay, uh, so they passed the sign that said, "Yeah, that, all right." So that was the representing the blood, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Bloodfield right. Homes oh, look, coming soon. <laughs> hedgehog. Is that a hedgehog? I guess. You see, this always reminds me of Farthing Wood. There's bits of this film and bits of the animals of Farthing Wood that blend. And I don't know if, if you were maybe too Probably old. the animals. Yeah, the animals. Yeah, well, they blended on the road there, aren't they? You know. Um, but um, I don't know if you were too old for it, maybe, Ben. You were too young for it, Laura. But did you guys watch Animals of Farthing Wood? Mm, maybe. I don't remember it very well. Well, there's scenes in it that, that mirror the scenes that's going on now, like crossing a river, crossing a road, you know, and every week in the Animals of Arthing Wood, an animal would die. They'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like crossing the road and it'd be like the hedgehogs would be like, oh, I'm a little bit nervous. And guess- you're like, yeah, hedgehog's going to get it. <laughs> I guess because really in the countryside, that sort of scene is like the ultimate cruelty is that these wild animals are sort of doing their life and then y- humans like coming along and industrializing the countryside will inevitably kill a fair few because they just stand in the middle of the road. I'm like, I feel like evolutionarily you should have figured out that the big wet carpet of tarmac and the big bright lights aren't friends. Yeah. yeah, Like, move to the side. You remember when you ran over that pheasant and it was just, like, waiting? And then was like, no! (laughs) Now I jump right into into your car. Talking to you. <laughs> Hello. Yes. I was talking to you. Oh, sorry. I thought we, <laughs> I thought you were talking to the podcast listeners. No. That being the format. No, of the... I'm talking to you. <laughs> Pay attention to I your wife. Why would I ask the <laughs> Why would I ask the podcasters if they remember when they ran over a person? I didn't. I didn't catch that bit. Uh. So, um, I I guess they're one. 
Lady Bunny just got killed. Yep. So that's their long game. Well, they're screwed. Also, how have they ended up with all male? Aren't bunnies generally mostly female? Not in this little scenario, they're not. This is going to be a bunny sausage party. What's the point of carrying on? <laughs> just stop. You're going to die anyway. They don't know now that. There's like a new like side mission, a side quest. We'll if you figure will. out how to uh, lady bunnies. <laughs> it's okay. We'll figure out how to repopulate just men. <laughs> well, it's the perseverance of the bunny spirit. If we hump hard enough, <laughs> something's bound to happen. So we're in some sort of creepy graveyard now. I forget this bit of the film. It was a very weird zoom. Yeah, and a very long zoom. It's a kind of we're running out of money. Then <laughs> it, it went like zoom, 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 zoom. Stop. stop. Go back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, when when you see a film with like this with big long zoom that lasts like thirty seconds, forty seconds, you know, yeah, they're running out of cash here. Or they're just trying to fill time to make it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this um, this film's. Always, while we're in the spooky, <laughs> creepy graveyard, this film always draws attention because I think Channel 5 make a habit of broadcasting it on um, Easter Sunday, but like in the middle of the day. Why? Just to Is get the headlines. Yes, yeah, to get the headlines because the next day, uh, all the lazy newspapers write stuff about uh, what people have said on Twitter about it. Uh, and and just people are going. I can't believe that we saw rabbits fighting, cartoon rabbits fighting, on on Easter Sunday. I'm shook. I know. It distracted me from my eggs and the sacrifice of Christ. <laughs> I'll put Bugs Bunny on instead. Easter already is a pretty bleak holiday. Like Halloween gets a lot of bad business, but really Easter is nightmarish. Yeah, I didn't really. I never really got Easter. It's an odd one. Yeah, I know I get chocolate eggs, but um, yeah, the rest. We weren't a deeply religious family, though, so yeah. There's something very strange about the religious side of Easter and having to, like... Because I, I grew up in a church and as a, in the choir and stuff, and so I had to do the whole, like, walking through the streets with a palm tree branch. <laughs> Was it a whole palm tree? <laughs> Bloody um, hell. <laughs> Which I was always confused about, like, where did we get the palm leaves? <laughs> and, and where did you get the palm leaves? They just appeared. Ah. I guess Jesus? Ah, fair enough. And then there would be someone carrying... Because you've been... You know where I live, Ben. <laughs> um, you'd, have, you'd have to... <laughs> I do. So you know Easton? Yeah. We'd have to walk from the church in Easton... Uh, which you've also been to, yeah. all the way up to where the... Ben's never been to church. <laughs> where the um, where the top of the hill is, okay. and then back down again with a cross in robes. It was embarrassing. Yeah, that sounds pretty cringe. Yeah. And then did you sacrifice one of your <laughs> people in... One of the members. Yeah. If only. I think. Um, I think if we do Easter... With kids, we'll just make up our own story. We'll make some reason. sort of wicker man in the garden. Yeah, well, I think pagan celebrations is going to be, be really the way we fun. Go. It would be really fun. Well, that's where all the I'm fun bits come from, isn't it? The fun bits come I, from the pagan celebration. So, like, I you really know, Easter's all about having... Jesus, but it's all about the eggs and the rabbits. I really look forward to having children and just lying to them. <laughs> 
all the time. Just like making up weird like rituals and stuff for them. And then when they, by the time they go to school, they're like, when are we going to light the Christmas egg? Well, not now, not now, Ben Jr. It's September. (laughs) The sacrificial Christmas egg. And they just, yeah. That's what we need more than one. So that at least they have someone to collaborate. Like, duh, guys. The Christmas egg. <laughs> I mean, it's no more ridiculous than Santa Claus, but it's funny. I mean, what was the <laughs> other weird thing you had to do? It Was it Easter where you had to get the, um, I forget what it's called, but the orange where they put like red tape around it and put saltines yeah. and a candle in it? It was a Christmas thing, wasn't it? Was it Christmas? Yeah, it was. Or was it, I thought it was the lead up to Easter because then you were like... Wasn't it, like sometimes they put Haribo on sticks? Is it called a Chris Kringle or something? <laughs> I don't think Haribo was um, a going concern when what I was, it was doing that. But it's called like a yeah, it's called Haribo. Chris Stingle. Chris uh, Stingle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were weird, and then you'd come back after Christmas holiday, and the teacher would have always forgotten to throw it away, and so there'd just be a rotten orange <laughs> in your form class, and someone would always eat the Haribo. Some scabby kid would always eat the raisins and the Haribo off the orange. That's me. <laughs> You'd just be like, really? <laughs> I wouldn't eat the orange. I mean, come on. I'm not eating no, fruit. No, no one would eat the, the <laughs> wax-filled orange. I love the fruit pastels. I won't have the fruit. I also remember having, like, taking, um, uh, what's it called? When you have the bread and wine. Communion. Yeah. And, like, there would always be bunches of kids that would go and take communion. They they weren't religious. They hadn't been confirmed. They just wanted wine in the middle of the school day. <laughs> I was like, I feel like there should be some sort of certificate to show that you're allowed to take this. Otherwise, you are just feeding children wine in the middle of the day. Also, communion wine, I don't think is top shelf. It's really alcoholic, though. It's oh, proper yeah. strong. All right. And it always used to make me laugh because you'd, you'd have the priest would always, or the vicar would always do the communal wine. And because it's church and no one goes to church anymore, there would only be about eight people in the congregation. And then the vicar always has to down the rest of it. And so, like, the vicar would always have, like, half a cup of wine three or four times a day, depending on how many services he had to do. He'd be pissed. He doesn't have to. He does have to. Uh, He can't can't throw away the blood of Christ. (laughs) It's Uh. frowned upon. (laughs) Jesus is just stood there like, come on, guys. You could put it, you could use it later. You could put it in a bolognese or something, you know, the blood of Christ <laughs> in a bolognese. It's quite nice. Yeah, I wonder if. Heavenly. I imagine you can't do that now in COVID because you can't all be drinking from one communal cup, can you? No, they use a super soaker. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. Like, um. Red wine know, like super soaker. When you soaker. go to Revs and someone has the, the guns for doing shots. Yeah. I don't know the last time I was in Revs. Maybe Mustag do. <laughs> like, Who's this old bunny now? This is a cowslip. Oh, what he's a name? duplicitous bunny. What does duplicitous mean? Uh, he's uh, lured them to his warren under um, false pretenses. You're making this sound really pervy. Yes, well, well, look at the state of him. He's <laughs> clearly good. In my head, because I can't hear it, I'm, I'm imagining the um, Herbert the Pervert voice. <laughs> yeah, get your bunny ass back here. Uh, yeah, he's um, offered them shelter, um, but really, uh, they're in danger still because um, they're adjacent to a farmyard where one of them, I think, Bigwig, is going to get uh, snared. 
Oh no! If I remember correctly. But yeah, it's voiced by uh, the guy who does Marcus Brody in Indiana Jones, uh, Denim Elliott. So oh. that's the voice you need to imagine, Laura. I don't know who that is. Oh, you need to watch Indiana Jones then. Yeah. Oh, I hate Indiana Jones. We could just watch this with sound on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier than changing the DVD. Once again, no shadows. What is going on? Films are a pain. They're really weird, though. Like it's really—they're just sort of floating on a hillock. <laughs> the film's dark enough. Yeah. What's happening with this one now? Oh no! He's just been snared. He's. Oh no! Look how the flies are already circling. <laughs> like, like start <laughs> time. He's not even dead yet. You greedy bastards! Has the the snare been tacked down with gum? Um, I think it's a peg, isn't it? It's pink and gooey. It's a pink gooey peg. Yeah, it's not like chuddy. It's not like just calf assed I'm going to kill a rabbit, but I've, I'll just put some chewing gum down. It's fine. Yeah, it's pretty uh, horrific. This particular. Tis the country. <laughs> Someone's going to have a good dinner. That is a big bunny. Okay, no, it is a peg. It looked like gum in the last one. It was really pink. But apparently, uh, if you stop it. if you look at the poster, that this is the moment in the actual poster of a rabbit with a snare around its neck. Interesting way to sell the film. Yeah, I think it's an interesting way to keep kids away as well. But still, people <laughs> took their was kids. Was this intended there. for children? No, but it was a PG. So it it wasn't like it was. Um, it wasn't like they, they didn't want them to watch it. It was like, it was the 70s. There was a lot going on, you know. <laughs> yeah, P- PG basically meant, yeah, put it on. Yeah. What happens, happens. Like, it can't be that bad. It's often... Yeah, occasionally, it's- you'd get, like, nipples in a PG, and that would be Christmas. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, my God, this one snuck in. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people who reckon that just because it's animated, it was given PG and that the BBFC didn't care. Um, But they did watch it and they did think, yeah, PG, that's fine. Why are all their eyes red? I don't know. They don't have mixatosis yet, do they? (laughs) The, uh, in 1987, I guess when it came out on video, it was actually classified U. Wow. That's like Thomas so, the Tank Engine. That's like, but, they're yeah. covered, but they're covered in blood and stuff all the time. I thought you couldn't have a U rating if there was blood. You would, I would have thought that. It looks like jam. Maybe yeah. it's raspberries. Yeah, look, he's getting up now. He's fine. He's fine. He's like, whatever, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do the voices because I, I can't hear it. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I'll do the voices of all these legends of star of stage and screen. <laughs> They've all got a bouncy accent. I feel very self-conscious that I, that about this film because I can't say rabbit. What you just said it? I know, but it feels I feel awful when I say that <laughs> say rabbit. Like it makes me very uncomfortable. So you tell the story? Yes, please. Why? Because on Portland you can't say rabbit. What? 
So this has been instilled in you. Yeah, and it's like ingrained into me to the point where, like, when I say it when I'm not on the island, it I, it, it really sticks in my mouth. I do remember one time when I, I, I drove us there and I um, was turning around in that um, that bit where I turned around and there are often bunnies and I caught some in my headlights and I was like, oh, rabbits, and you got, like, actually a bit upset. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, you've got to give me more explanation. You're just not allowed to say it. It's a it's a tradition. It's uh, what's going in, on in Portland because Portland's famous for quarrying uh, Portland stone, which is what like most of St Paul's and most of the big white buildings in London are made out of. Um, rabbits were superstitiously bad luck on the island because they would make warrens underneath the cranes, and then the cranes would fall fall into the warrens and tip over and kill lots of people. Right. So it's. It's meant to be superstition that you're not allowed to see rabbit. You have to see bunny or long ear. Um, Because otherwise you'll fall in a hole. And I wouldn't have believed (laughs) it, except I was once walking with a friend of mine who was like, that can't be true. And he was a proper Portlander, so it was weird that he didn't believe it. Um, And was just sort of walking around going, rabbit, 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 rabbit. And he fell in a hole. Oh, wow. The curse. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, eh, told you. Speaking of curses, um, didn't they have to have special posters made yeah. up for the Curse of the Were-Rabbit? Yeah, so if you look up either Portland or Curse of the Were- actually, I think if you Google Portland and look at the Wikipedia for it, they had to make special posters of Curse of the Were-Rabbit for, just for Portland to wow. go on the bus stops, because there are only about four bus stops on the entire island. <laughs> um, but they had to call it so- something bunny going on. Something bunny going Hmm. I can, I ask, that tale. can I ask, is there a cinema in Portland? Nope. Then what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? There used to be in like the 50s maybe, but nope. We have one on the mainland. Yeah, we have one. We're on the mainland now. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. loads. <laughs> but the closest one is about half an hour away. There's something funny going on there. But I don't know if they like got them specially printed or just put a, like, a sticker over it or... Hmm. I really want one. I imagine there probably wouldn't have been a huge number they needed to print. So no, like four, like run. I said. Yeah. So, so um, I, I've somehow gone down a, um, a little rabbit hole, yeah. forgive me, <laughs> um, since looking up what the BBFC rating was. I found the BBFC's report on this film oh, from amazing. 1978. Um, as to why they rated it a U. So I guess it was rated a U theatrically as well. Um, uh, so it sort of describes the film. And uh, this is kind of telling, I think, about the overall attitude when it comes to animation and the role it plays in films. Um, so their encounters with a repressive rabbit regime with humans in the shape of the farmer and his family with tame rabbits in the farm hutch with the farm cat with a marvelous mad bird who guides them for a while and finally, for Hazel with the great white... I have to skip to the end. <clears throat> Animation removes the realistic, gory horror in the occasional scenes of violence and bloodshed. And we felt that, while the film may move children emotionally during the film's duration, it could not seriously trouble them once the spell of the story is broken, and that a U certificate was therefore quite appropriate. Hmm. That's really interesting. Well... Uh, yeah. It would be really interesting to read like all of the various um, 
reports for all of those films that like are sort of considered a horror film for children is what is that the english version this would have been yeah the um so what's the american version of that institution um i'm not sure what the institution is but the it's like g is the equivalent of u and pg13 is the equivalent of pg and then it goes into like rated r or no rating and i'm not quite sure as to which one of those is good or not like they're like notoriously worse because like pg-13 sounds worse than just pg like pg your parents were like oh yeah no problem yeah i guess it's the like, pg-13 is that you have to be 13 it's mpa yeah, in the if your kids younger than 13 uh, give okay. it a watch first yeah yeah thing, in case there are nipples in there yeah but no one did surely like unless you're like not. one of those really annoying parents that like treat their kids like they were precious little eggs I don't think the animation removed the realistic gory horror. No, but that's quite... In- I like so that much as, as it animated it. I really like that as a quote, though, because that's really interesting. Yeah. Like, the idea that somehow animation softens the blow of gore, which is not true. It's ridiculous. So the... Um, it's on the BBFC website as a case study, so they have a, a link to... They were just looking at more mauling as we're talking about this. I mean, I don't think this would make me like upset or cry or really bother. Like but a, it's but if you were a bit of a soft kid and yeah. also you really liked bunnies, like you maybe you had one, mm-hmm. maybe you would. Some kids are just very gentle, aren't they? Like they find everything kind of upsetting. Yeah, which makes me surprised that you didn't find this upsetting because you used to be scared of bloody everything. Well, I didn't see it. Ah, uh, you kid. would have I cried did. as a child, I'm sure. Jesus Christ! This bit might have freaked this me out. This is terrifying. The, the heads, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. As a claustrophobe. Ah, uh, what's this happening? This is more upsetting. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's happening? Are they like overpopulated? So yeah, this is the uh, another dream Ooh. sequence. What was that about? A uh, dream of being trapped underground. Oh Christ! It's like um, what should we call it? The horror film. The Descent, but with bunnies. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I didn't like that. Yeah. No, I'm not a huge fan of, like, narrowing tunnels. There's something kind of scary about it because it's that idea of, like, uh, bunnies because they're very panicky anyway, panicking and then killing themselves because they've got themselves stuck. Yeah. There's something about, like, really flitty animals. Like, remember I told you that story about, like, having quails and, like, you wouldn't do anything. You'd just walk into a room and they'd freak out and break their own necks by jumping into the cage. And you're just like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> just calm down, you stupid, stupid bird. <laughs> you can't hear me because you're dead, but still. <laughs> well, you can now. But the fact that, like, bunnies are always quite interesting because they, they have no off switch. They, they just keep breeding and breeding and breeding to the point where they devastate entire <laughs> landscapes and then starve. Australia, isn't it? And they dropped mm. off uh, rabbits, and they used to deploy stone rabbits that the rabbits would go and have sex with, oh. in order to uh, calm Try. the population down. Really, they could have chosen a more forgiving material than stone, <laughs> like a cushion. Uh, yeah, something with a bit of pushback. Because isn't there also a thing where, like, can't female 
bunnies have more than one litter in like a trimester. Like they they reproduce really quickly, like most animals like do. Rabbits. Yes. Uh, I I don't know. What is with the eyes constantly changing? Because now they're all blue, and earlier they're all red. Are their eyes mood rings? I think these are the different <laughs> rabbits. I think these uh, are the um, uh, bad rabbit, bad bad guys uh, army. Ephra fans, is it? The um, this thing on the BBFC just to to wrap this up <laughs> uh, before I close down the browser window. While the film has a happy ending and contains many positive messages for young audiences about bravery, friendship, and the environment, younger or more sensitive viewers have found some scenes upsetting or worrying, and over the years, the BBFC have received numerous complaints about the suitability of Watership Down at U. Watership Down was most recently classified U on video in 2013, with the BBFC insight contains very mild language, mild violence, and threat. So they don't care about the complaints, clearly. But good for them. <laughs> Teach the... that to me. Sure. It's interesting, though, like, when you think about the things that, like, they have been sort of, like, notoriously known for being, like, having a problem with. Like, I, can't, I, I assume it's probably the American version, but, like, when uh, Psycho came out and they, ha- they didn't have an issue with any of the violence, but you weren't allowed to show a toilet. <laughs> and Hitchcock had to, like, really, like, double down and be like no the toilet is vital because she like flushes evidence down it but they had a problem with that it's so strange the things that they have problems with you couldn't i remember for a long time even in like the 80s and early 90s you couldn't see toilets in tv commercials no in north america or because i guess it was considered lewd like we must hold can't imagine people shitting (laughs) (laughs) it's so odd isn't it i find basement of it all i find the like that system of like i guess filtering it's a bit like what you're talking the other day about people who don't believe in copyright and stuff like that like the idea of like having to be the person to suggest to be like this isn't acceptable but this is but what's weird about this is that the difference between uh bbfc and something like Ofcom. So you've got Ofcom that does TV and you've got BBFC that does um, film. Whereas this is perfectly acceptable to be a you. Pingu was banned for being violent. <laughs> it's so mental, isn't it? Yeah. I do I, I do really love those things. I would love to do something where I had to just analyse all of the reports and just be like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> like, why was this okay and this not? And, like, just hear their rationale as to why and go, you do realise that's fucking stupid? Mm, mm. Like, and that makes no sense at all. Like, what is... Because it can't really come down to taste or anything. It must be some sort of huge book of text that they have to refer to. Oh, no. I, I when I Because I looked it up when I was doing the PhD because I had nothing better to do. And uh, <laughs> it was it was the particular Pingu bit. The thing about violence is they they classified it as something like physical force exerted on something and making it animate. And so obviously there's a bit where where Pingu sla- slaps his little brother and his little or his dad slaps him and he goes flying forward. Whereas <laughs> earlier on, there's two uh, there's two characters kicking a ball to one another, which is the exact description of using force to exert, you know, to, to animate an object. 
um, which could be seen as violent. So why a slap? And why a, obviously it's like you say it's imbuing the sort of it, they've slapped a person, they've showed harm. It can be copied. It can be you know, but yeah, it's like the idea of like allowing um, characters in a in a show to use a power tool, but they they can they can't use the power tool unless they're wearing protective gear. But they're still meant to be like characters who are essentially children using like a drill. Oh, unless yeah, unless uh, and again back to the boring PhD. Um, mm. Unless it's um, so, for example, Bob the Builder, the original series of Bob the Builder, Bob doesn't wear a watch because they spoke to uh, builders and they said, "Yeah, we don't wear watches because if it gets caught in machinery, my arm's coming off." Whereas yeah. the new Bob the Builder, which is you know the the new CG one, he's got like a magic watch that can dial in and it's like Thunderbirds or something, and it's. I say new, you know, a few years ago, whatever it was, but that's just there to sell toys. So yeah, it's it's a weird one. Anyway, boring PhD stuff over. Let's. Uh... <laughs> I just find it really lamely interesting. Just well, my PhD. What? Thanks. No, no. <laughs> just like. Oh no, I don't find that interesting at all. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why people would like have problems with things like, like I said a couple of weeks ago like the mum's net of america where they'll have issues with really b- obscure things mm. Mm. that they'll they they've just deemed inappropriate for children and they'll get to go be like oh, that's not a, that's not at all okay and you're like that's the thing you have a problem with <laughs> it's like there's that quite i mean i know she's been like she's not in good press at the moment but there's that like, famous jk rowling thing about getting a letter from a mother who was really upset that she'd introduced like a love life into harry potter like harry potter like having a girlfriend and having a first kiss and then that not going well and she's like i just don't think it's inappropriate for you to include these mature thing themes in a ch- what is essentially a children's book because like, his parents both died everyone he loves dies on a regular basis i kill pretty much every single character that any of your pet your kids love and mm. you have a problem with him kissing a girl what the hell mm. And it's just, like, it's so clearly people's own personal lives and agendas that they've decided that that's what is not okay. Yeah, their their line is the only line that matters. And it's a bit like, well, then just filter what your kids see and don't bring it up with the creator. You don't, who cares what you think? Like, if you don't <laughs> want your kids reading it or watching it, don't let them. That's your problem. It is fascinating, though, like, people who they get so... They just don't see outside of their perception. And they can, and you know, they can be parents. They can be grown-ups. Um, and their line will be sort of drawn completely in the sand. And they'll be baffled that the world doesn't agree with them. I think they think they're doing some good. Like, I think they think, yeah. like, well, if I have an issue with this, other people must do. Yeah. But what's going to happen? it's my duty to make sure everyone else is on the same page. But what's going to happen? Are they going to? Is they going to stop it from happening? It's already happened. It's like yeah, I demand you getting your time machine, go back like, in time, you, and stop the specky lad from kissing. Or, or like, <laughs> do they want it like, like expunged from the film or the book? Like, do they want like I want you to go through every copy and take out those four pages and somehow rewrite it where she's not a character. <laughs> go. And it's like, what was the point of this letter? Four pages like for a kiss, go- blimey! It's like when people can't like write letters to the um, 
to the TV people to be like, I was really dissatisfied. <laughs> the TV man. I was really dissatisfied with the way in which this presenter said the thing on the thing. Oh, <laughs> shut up. I used to love that. I used to love watching points of view <laughs> and just looking like, you're uh, an idiot. And now I've got Twitter. So that's the same thing. Yes. It's just such a weird thing to like have an opinion on things and be like, I didn't really enjoy this aspect of this thing. But I wouldn't dare complain to the person that made the thing and be like, I felt like you should have done it differently. <laughs> I have no money to make it so, but you should feel bad because I disagree. <laughs> well, I hear like things, nightmarish things about certain fandoms as well, like the entitlement fans have These about dogs are shows. And... I just feel like I just need to. I think the dog's gonna uh... bring it back to the film briefly just to be like those dogs are like hell beasts they like like Cerberus so we're in the, um, the film where they're, they're rescuing lady rabbits from a farm basically there's some shadows uh, for you for completely selfless reasons of course it's not that they want to get laid <laughs> yeah these like Amnesty Papa International <laughs> um, and they've also recently um, uh, joined forces with the seagull um who I think is kind of put the sort of seed in their head, like by the way, you gotta you gotta get some ladies. <laughs> what what do you think the end result's gonna be? So they're staging this um breakout. What but um to um I think is it uh Hazel's gonna get yeah. Poor fella. Uh oh. No! The things we do, we suffer for love. Will he pull through, folks? Yeah. What did the BBFC yes. say? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Ben, before this? I don't know. Something <laughs> about rabbits, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, the seagull. So the seagull, I'm not 100% sure... What accent that's meant to be? Yeah, it's sort of like it seems to change from scene to scene. <laughs> it's the guy um, Zero Mostel, isn't it? It's the guy who was. Um, oh, okay. Uh, it's the guy who was Bialystok in um, the original. Uh, uh, the producers. Yeah, and was he also fiddler on the roof? I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I think he, I think he was. I hope so. I mainly just sort of remember the producers. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, you know, he knows his chips, (laughs) but, uh, maybe sort of given free, just, you know, take a tour of Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, be Russian in one shot, be French in another, (laughs) maybe maybe a bit Germanic. (laughs) It's inclusive. So, uh. Uh, uh, the little money figure, Fiverr, I remembered, has just been told by um, the weird black ghost bunny that uh, his brother's been shot. And this, I think, is the big musical number. If, unless I've got it completely wrong, isn't this it? Guess. You know what would help if I turned on the sound to see if I'm... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the simpering, whingy tones of Art Garfunkel. <laughs> cool. 
I mean, I think I'm in the minority that actually preferred his um, solo records to Paul Simon's. Take that, people in the past. What about Call Me Al? Call Me Al? Yeah. What about it? That's a great song. That's Paul Simon, isn't it? Uh, well, Paul Simon, I think, is generally regarded as, like... Because Graceland is like one of those absolutely classic albums. I don't think any of Garfunkel's, al- Art Garfunkel's albums of that status. Maybe they do. Hmm. It's uh, Mike Bat as well as it wrote the song, wasn't it? So, um, he, uh, yeah, imagine um, Garfunkel singing Remember You're a Womble. Hmm. That'd be an interesting It's a missed opportunity. I know, I know. It is a weird, satanic-looking thing, that rabbit, isn't it? Yeah, it's very folk art. Oh, it's like, follow me to hell! <laughs> <laughs> this whole film is very folk horror-y. Like, it's very, like, atmospherically about the British countryside being kind of creepy and laden with, like, medieval and pagan vibes isn't a big part of folk horror also kind of going where you're not wanted well going like weird mythical like places that have their own laws yeah there's a there's also there's a massive debate about this film in terms of what is it actually about you know is it about society is it about religion i mean i always thought it was about religion um but if you if if you listen to interviews by the um, uh, by the original author, he just says it's just a story about rabbits. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so many academic papers, and he's like, "Yeah, it's about rabbits. <laughs> Get over it." <laughs> I love it if George if George Orwell did that about Animal Farm. It's about pigs. Mate. <laughs> You're reading too much into it, love. <laughs> Stalinism? What do you mean Stalinism? <laughs> I know. I think that you could actually. I mean, do people then consider when he says that as like him being glib or taking the mick, or is it that? Because that could be actually quite a sincere sentiment. You could just write a story with sophisticated tones for kids. Mm. Like you wouldn't necessarily, and it wouldn't necessarily have to. Like you would obviously draw upon human conflict to tell a story. Because otherwise, you know, if you're just literally telling a story about bunnies and they don't have any kind of humanistic interaction, then that would read more like a manual. I think it's one of those <laughs> difficult things that if anything technically, any kind of classic story of survival or or difficult emotional or, or ethical things can be linked back to religion in some way. Because pretty much every classic story is found in the Bible in some way or another. Mm. It's a bit... and. I mean, I always will love animation because it got me out of so many boring projects as a kid of like being like, how can I make writing an essay about Easter interesting to me? I know I'll write it about the Lion King and do a presentation about the Lion King and how Mufasa is basically God or Jesus. And Simba came back to life. I, I genuinely wrote. Risen. I genuinely wrote an essay when I was in secondary school about the Lion King being an analogy for Jesus. Oh um, wow! And I got really good grade for it. 
And similarly with Animal Farm, I had to do a project for some reason. I had to do a presentation about the Cold War in my illustration and animation degree. And I was like, how the hell am I going to write, do something, a presentation about the Cold War? I couldn't care less. It's the most boring war. <laughs> Nothing even happened. And I was like, Animal Farm. I'll just talk about Animal Farm for an hour and a half. And uh, that will be my presentation. So I feel like Watership Down is a great vehicle for whatever the hell you have to write an essay about. Because you can probably bring Take it. Take note, kids. Because it has so many good themes in it. And there's like, like you could you could have it be about... Like, even just from the first, like, sequence where they're, like, escaping the blood field, you could, it could be an analogy for war, it could be an analogy for religion, it could be an analogy for genocide, it could be an analogy for, like, the destructive force of humans in nature. Because you really could write anything and make it fit. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're not going to be wrong, because if the guy is going, it's just about rabbits, then you can't be wrong, either. (laughs) <laughs> like I kind of like it when directors go no it's really about the conflict between you know mother and daughter or about war or this very specific thing and any other reading you've had of it means you're an idiot <laughs> you've just really you've just really turned uh, the careers of loads of animation academics uh, out to be fraught now Laura you've <laughs> just really you've given away the secret we're not supposed to give away the secret what they were just talking bollocks <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that well kept a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, some papers I've read, yeah. <laughs> but you really can, you can, just, you know. And but that's part of what academia is—is is, is bringing a voice to a thing that that maybe doesn't have a voice. No, that's ventriloquism. That's ventriloquism. Like if the guy is like, "I'm not giving it away. You figure it out." Then mm. that's where academics come in and go. It could be this. <laughs> it is a dangerous opening of, of floodgates. Um, that was one I what I found kind of a little bit hard to swallow about that um Doctor Sleep movie, for example, is for it to function as an extension of The Shining, you need to there's only one interpretation of The Shining that actually makes that film work. Mm. And so it actually kind of it was very hard to get into in that respect. Um because so much of what made uh, the, the original Shining, a particularly compelling film, is that it's so open to interpretation. There's so many things you can unpeel about it. Um, and then you get films like that bloody Mother film with um, oh, Jennifer God, Lawrence. That and that was so irritating because I didn't really get it watching it. I I kind of liked it. And I thought the ending was overkill, but I quite liked the the sort of stress, like Michelle Pfeiffer at the beginning and uh, what's his face, like they were great. But then I looked into what it was about, and like the director went on this every press junket, he just explained what the symbolism was, and that's like they're Adam and Eve, and it's like Mother Earth and God are the couple, and it's just like I kind of feel like if that's your symbolism, like you can wait a few years for people to work it out. You don't have to like trot it out at all the press. Journals. Like, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? They're not really a couple. They're Adam and Eve. Eh? <laughs> and like, and then when he said that, there's like really ham fisted things of like, Oh yeah. And that's, yeah, he was missing a rib. And uh, that is, <laughs> like that film kind of sucks now, but when but, I didn't know what it was about, I quite liked it. <laughs> but that's the director's prerogative, isn't it? Whether they yeah. want to really, like leave it up to interpreters like well whatever you think or 
you really know. And I was always told that it was a bad thing to, like, it was bad to be like, ah, it's up to the audience what they think at the end. You should know what it is that you want them to take, but you can decide whether you let them know what that is. Because otherwise you end up with a very wishy-washy film. Hmm. Which I'm really bad at. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm, I'm always like, ah, they can interpret it this way, they can interpret it that way. But I've tried to get a bit better at it, of like not just being like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I find my endings don't tend to make a lot of sense except to me. So normally people do then need to ask, like, what? <laughs> I, uh, I, I stumbled upon a review of a film um, that did tickle me because it was... Um, it was, it was, I think, really searching for symbolism, really searching for meaning. Uh, let me see if I can find it. This is where Ben reads one of my terrible reviews back to him, to me. <laughs> um, I think we got some comments in the chat room, maybe. Um, I oh. don't know if you got a message just now. Oh, I wonder um, what all that pinging was. I'll check that out where you find the... Uh, We've, the people haven't been chatting on the chat room in ages. This is exciting. This is okay. This is an excerpt from the review. See if you you can um, guess what film I'm talking about. I will confess, I didn't get it. I didn't get the jokes or the content. If I tried to assign some great truth to it, I'd be making it up. This is your film. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. This that was any one of your films. <laughs> that was so quick. <laughs> that was a painfully quick realization. That could be any of your films, though. <laughs> there are some complimentary things in there, but um, anyway. I think your films are less about understanding and more about just experiencing. Well, it's it, you can guess which film he's talking about. Yeah. Um... I guess not. I can't. <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so it, bad. Sorry. Cleveland Fro. Cleveland Fro. It's okay because it's not like he ever says his name in the film. Ah, ah, sorry, sorry. Um, I kept, kept wanting to say Cletus. Cletus. Because he's basically that be, Cletus. That would be close enough. Um, I think all the other films are pretty straightforward. Like, I mean, the ones that, that did well. The baby ones, kind of. I don't even remember what that one's about, other than, like, graduating. Um, but you know the the other all the others they tell a story. They're not really meant to be symbolic, you know. Um, and Sleeman Thrift certainly wasn't either. But it is interesting. Like, okay, something this inexplicable. There must be some great meaning to it. I was like, no, I just had two weeks free, mate. <laughs> I, I had a lull between gigs, and I wanted to do something silly. Um, so uh, yeah, we've been. We've had a few comments in the chat room. I did wonder what was pinging in the background. I thought it was like my phone or something, but it was the, it was the chat room. And it turns out it is Aaron. Aaron is on here watching with us. Um, he's mentioned a few things throughout the film. So he said, um, he watched it about a year ago for the first time since he was five or six years old. It's an outstanding piece of animated filmmaking, and quite something that so many people have such vivid memories and opinions on. Uh, and then my favourite comment that he's put is piss off the first swear word I heard in animation (laughs) (laughs) that's great I always imagine Aaron's childhood to be like 
just really idyllic. I don't know why. Like, just nothing well, going wrong. because he's a nice guy. Him yeah. just constantly <laughs> wearing dungarees and a hat. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> what, like... Like, in a, like an advert for, like, butter. Like, he's just sat at a table. <laughs> his mum's just made... He's eating cereal and his like mum's just made cookies. Yeah! Yeah, yeah. It's really, like, That's cute. Like a cereal like, advert. Yeah! Just, like, wholesome. Really wholesome. Well, like, I, I could picture him definitely, you know, on his... Um, Little New seafaring adventures, you know, uh, sailing the seas and yeah. uh, with the wind in his hair kind of thing. <laughs> Just reading Wind in the Willows. Uh, I think we got some comments on uh, on Twitter. Mm. Got quite a which few. Which is always a dangerous thing to go down, but I think they, they weren't too horrific. Favourite film of all time, It's Stunning, from Pop-Up Puppet Cinema. Um, fairly complimentary. Uh, and this one, less complimentary, not as good as the book, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Juan Alfonso at Bicarac Zero. Um, uh, this one is not in English, but it says, Childhood without trauma is not childhood. Yes, That's I agree. From Professor Daniel Vernick, PhD. I like you. Winning some points for the academics. <laughs> From Alec, uh, Alec Cartoonist. Uh, first of all, great animation, perfect storytelling, really is a good movie. Second thing, it's a horror movie for kids that even adults are kind of freaked out by. I don't know if it's a horror film. It's horrific. Yeah, it's got thriller. Some, I mean, there I, are those little moments where I wouldn't consider it a horror film. A thriller. No. Uh, a comedy. A rom-com. <laughs> Rom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mumblecore. <laughs> <laughs> From at Stop Mojo, uh, if they catch you, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. The Black Rabbit gives me goosebumps to this day. It's such an epic saga that you forget it's about rabbits. Broke my heart when Hazel died. Oh, you give- Hazel what? died again. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I remembered which one was Hazel, that's going to really upset me. <laughs> the um, I th- I kind of feel like at the end when he because when you think he's going to die mm. when he gets shot, like that would have been the sad death, but then he pulls through. But I think the the actual dying at the end when um, uh, Ghost Rabbit comes and says, "Come on, <laughs> you've, you've had a good ending, so let's pack it in, mate." It's like okay, and there's sort of a happy death. Edward Foster, adore it. I really appreciate the non-sugar-coated storytelling as a kid. And the great soundtrack, highlighted again by Matthew Butler, singing Bright Eyes on Tiz Was wearing bunny ears. I wonder if that's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. They couldn't get art for that. <laughs> <laughs> the Tiz Was budget didn't quite... Mm. Or maybe they said, do you want to wear some bunny ears? And he was like, yeah, with this ginger fro? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like... <laughs> Miles of the Brothers McLeod watched it about a hundred times as a kid. The twists and turns were thrilling. The dark side of it never put me off, though my sister refused to ever watch it again. We had it on a VHS with the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Great double bill. That's a good double bill. We need to do Yellow Submarine one day. That would be a veto film for me. I'd love to do that. That's happening. Okay. Done. But it has to be Uh, voted for anyway, so we'll put it up against something 
And friend O the Squiggly Film Club podcast, Mike Tharm, <laughs> says, Not enough blood, but I especially like the bit where the seagull tells the rabbits to, and I quote, piss off. That is a popular <laughs> moment among the... Uh, Listener, I thought I thought Mike was going to say not enough dinosaurs. <laughs> anyone who there is a the- death of dinosaurs. <laughs> it certainly film. is. Anyone listen listen back to the Land Before Time when Mike gives us so many facts about dinosaurs. It's fantastic. Uh, Mike's film's actually got his trailer out at the moment. So if anyone wants to look for Wildlife on Mars, I think we retweeted it or it's part of the um, Squiggly Self Promotions. We might have done, we might not have done, but um, yeah, look out for that. We got a message on. Uh, I believe there are dinosaurs in that film. Yes, one or two. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a hell of a plot twist if if Mike made a film and there weren't any dinosaurs in it. Well, technically, if they're on Mars, are they actually they're dinosaurs? Not. Oh, that's the point because his, his his dinosaur puppet yeah. wasn't a dinosaur, was it? It was a special alien dinosaur it's thing. A dinosaur esque creature. Mm. Ah. a Martian, I guess. Because Mike hates dinosaurs. <laughs> We got a message on uh, Facebook as well from Kerry Drum. Uh, I remember watching as a kid and being completely traumatised by it. I recently joined a chat on Twitter about films we watched as children uh, that had a lasting effect. War Chip Down came up a fair bit. I've not watched it f- uh, for a few years now, but it's never really left me. And that song. So yeah, it's, it's a film that sticks with people, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. So recently it's made headlines again, this film, not because of its um, terrifying nature or any of that type of stuff, but because um, the director of the film uh, and producer of the film, uh, Michael Rosen, has recently lost a high court battle uh, to because he claimed that he had the rights for the film. Hmm. Uh, and his family of Richard Adams, the original author, have finally won back the, uh, the rights to the film to stop um, frivolous uh, adaptations being made, which was the uh, the quote. So, yeah, he's had to shell out quite a few quid there. That's pretty, uh, pretty bad. Yeah. Are they, when they say frivolous adaptations, are they throwing shade at the newer ones? Mm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not reading it as that. I'm reading it as maybe they could have just gone to town and done loads and loads of adaptations of it. I don't, it doesn't strike me as the type of story that will do loads of adaptations, if you know what I mean. Mm. I guess maybe they were worried about like them doing like prequels or sequels because they're quite beloved characters that you could just mm. do a whole series about well, bunnies in a glade. The, the, book- the Land Before Time treatment, 15 yeah. movies. <laughs> the book does have a sequel, so they could do that. But um, yeah, I think the, the problem here was that um, Rosen owned the motion picture rights to Watership Down with the original contract, but um, and he'd He'd gone into other contracts, contracting out Watership Down uh, worth something like half a million dollars because he claimed that he held the rights to the novel, but he didn't. He only held them for the original film. So he got into a little bit of of trouble with that. Naughty, Mr. Rosen. Uh, We should have Business Bunny telling us all this stuff, shouldn't we, from earlier (laughs) on in the podcast? (laughs) Is Business Bunny Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) That's just our nickname for him. Oh, <laughs> little cottontail. <laughs> Business bunny. I wonder for people who don't know who we're talking about, <laughs> what they're picturing based on these friends. descriptions of it. 
quite hard to carry on talking about bunnies, isn't it, for an hour and a half? Well, we've we've spent a very small percentage of this podcast <laughs> talking about this film. Like, this has been an exceptional episode for tangents about religion and um, Wallace and Gromit. And... So I've got a couple of backup facts, if they help. Yes, please. Oh. Let's get us toward the old finish line. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good film, kids. Shall, right? shall I read them out slowly? Shall I? Shall yeah. I uh, Laura, go and get the slide whistle. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know where it is. Oh, what? You, so unprepared. I suppose you've not yeah. got the uh, boob alarm either. Um, <laughs> all right. It's like a builder. Um <laughs> Yeah, apparently this was the first movie to be presented in Dolby Stereo in theatres. There you go. Weird. Awesome. I should have read that a lot slower, because uh, there you go. Uh, your only fact. No, another one is that Guillermo del Toro credits the film as the one that showed in that animation wasn't just for kids. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Because he's a big one for like mixing things that you'd think were for children with very dark like he has a whole thing about that, doesn't he? Mm. Well, I, I remember you know vividly when we saw him in Annecy and the pride he took, <laughs> crediting himself for killing the uh, dad in How to Train Your Dragon Two. Sorry, kids, it's an old film. You should have seen it by now. Um, and the unfairness of that death and how important that was. It really yeah. was like gut-wrenching and like from no i remember watching that with annecy crowds and everyone just like blubbering like <laughs> audibly bawling their eyes out but he also told him to get rid of his leg in the first film when he was when he no. fell into the fire uh it, 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 it made it sound like Guillermo goes around the studio every now and then has a walk around and goes kill him Kill him, <laughs> maim him, destroy him. I'll be back in eighteen months. You know, it's like <laughs> I like that. I want to be that person. Be a sweet gig. Yeah. Dead, dead, dead. Live, dead, dead. <laughs> so many films. <laughs> yeah. Just deciding who who doesn't make it to the last reel. <laughs> but I can I can see uh, obviously somebody just standing in front of the, the Shrek door, going, "You're not allowed in." No. <laughs> this is an evergreen franchise. You're not going anywhere near these beautiful creatures. So I guess, like, among the three of us, this isn't a film that quite traumatised us for, you know, whatever circumstantial reason. Nah. Um, were there any animation, like, films that did, like, that kind of really got under your skin as a kid? Hmm. I'm leaning back in my chair and stroking my chin. There was a short that really freaked me out, which was a water cartoon short about a worm. Oh, yeah, I think we found it. Yeah, that really creeped me out for a very long time because also no one remembered what the hell I was talking about because it was... What a cartoon was where, like, the Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Lab came from and stuff like that. So normally they were like greenhouse things to then become series. But this wasn't something that could have ever been a series. It was clearly just like a short film yeah. about a worm who goes out wanting to be like, everything's great and I love life. And then he gets like stood on by a human with cleats mm -hmm. and he becomes like mutilated. And then it's about him trying to wreak revenge on the human with this big vial of acid. And then the uh, human goes past him again and stomps him again, and he accidentally pours the acid over himself. 
and becomes more mutilated and it's about him having hate in his heart and learning to forgive <laughs> and so then he goes back to the human again to go I forgive you and then he stamps on him again because <laughs> he can't see him because he's a worm and it was just really it was one of those ones a bit like um, Ren and Stimpy where they would then they just did this really big gross close up of his weeping destroyed pink eye and all the snot and I just I was only about seven yeah. Five, five or seven and just being like <laughs> and that really stuck with me because I would bring it up with people and no one would know what I was talking about yeah I mean it clearly didn't become um, you know a, a classic cartoon franchise or property yeah because it was just I wonder if the guy who did it was anyone I'd put money on him being something to do with Ren and Stimpy, because it was, had a very Ren and Stimpy vibe. I think this was Tales of Worm Paranoia. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that sort of... Um, it's sort of somewhere between Nickelodeon and, like, Disney television of the time. This sort of level of character animation. What's happening with a bunny here? It's having an episode. You guys carry on watching Watership Down and just looking it's at his, what a It's one of his visions, isn't it? Does he just have, like, epilepsy? Maybe. Is that what's going on? Maybe that's the, 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 the rub. It's like, the whole time he just had, like, a lesion on his brain. Oh. <laughs> Do the bad rabbits have mixotocin? Mixomatosis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because I always thought that was the point, is that they were, like, diseased. Yeah. Because it seems much. weird to have had a whole film about rabbits and that not be a story, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tales of Worm Paranoia was by Eddie Fitzgerald, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, What's wrong with Eddie Fitzgerald? Uh, nothing, he was just part of that crowd, the oh. Ren and Stimpy crowd, and ah, he was yeah, very yeah. much one of the John Kay um, uh, advocates. Yeah. And Probably also Ren and Stimpy day. really freaked me out as a kid. I hated this. There, I remember watching one episode where they're like eating pig faces. And <laughs> that, that was just, a good one. And then I never watched it again because I was like, that is horrific. This whole show is horrible. And never watching a single episode again. I would say that my, my, my days of defending Ren and Stimpy are uh, kind of behind me, but uh, that one did make me chuckle <laughs> back in the day. What what film what animated films kind of freaked you out, Ben? I'm trying I'm trying my best to figure something out. I know you you told me about the um Adventures of Mark Twain in the past, but I'm not sure if that's one that would have got you. I think that would be probably the main one hmm. um that really kind of lingered because for such a long time I couldn't find the film and i thought i it was like some kind of weird phantom memory i think that's a big part of it isn't it when you feel like you've maybe made it up in your brain and then you start worrying about your own self <laughs> like what is wrong with me that i invented that in my brain so vividly <laughs> yeah it, it was i mean in the end it turned out it was because i was looking for a film with quest in the title and it's it's not really known as comic quest outside of england i don't think so trying to find it anywhere was a, a and then eventually you know, the internet came to my aid. But then sort of finding the context of the bits that bothered me, they're still sort of troubling <laughs> scenes, mm. you know. Um, but um, if there are any other films, 
Um, there, was, there was actually a bit in um, a couple of bits in the dot movies. Yeah, because uh, yeah. well, they were just very bizarre. And um, in Dot and the Kangaroo, the Bunyip song was quite creepy. Um, and there were moments in Dot and, uh, Dot and Santa Claus that were just complete misfires in terms of the direction. And I think they were meant to be jokes, but they were just very troubling moments. And so maybe if we ever watch the Dot films on this podcast, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll break those down. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't make it into the... Um, the the 10 plus film world of Dot. I only remember the first two really. Um, I think I'm, was, I'm with uh, you. With, I'm with you with them. I remember, I do remember the adventures of Mark Twain or comic quest as it was called being on the telly and the, the bit where he meets apparently Mar- Satan, isn't it? From the, from the book, which is just uh, staring into, into evil. And, um, and yeah, the bits from Dot and the Kangaroo. But for me, we had a. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain. We had a lot of cheap video cassettes as kids, and one of them was obviously like you know the Little Mermaids out in cinemas. So the uh, Russian Little Mermaid is also out on VHS for a quid, um, and so we bought that. And I remember watching it and being quite nonplussed through it, thinking it lasted forever. And then the ending, which is the original ending to the book. Uh, terrified me just the concept mm. because um the ending is that she becomes foam on the waves yeah and just that very thought of just uh, dissolving into foam just and and how <laughs> yeah. sad it was how utterly sad and how kind of i was watching it at what the age of five or six my parents had just put you know put the telly on as a babysitter and you know i'm watching this thing going Oh my God! What is life? <laughs> if that can happen, because <laughs> isn't it as well that the prince like basically runs off with someone else, and that's why she turns into sea foam? Yeah, yeah, because he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russian kids get it, or wherever this is. <laughs> from. It was a cautionary tale for women to be like, don't you know, don't follow a man because they will just turn on you, and you will become foam. Yeah. <laughs> There was a, a thing I saw on TV when I was very young that kind of disturbed me in a similar way of, like, all I remember about it, I have no idea if it was a short film or a series or a feature film, but I just remember this scene where this fairy or fairy-sized person is brought in from the cold. Like, they appear on a doorstop and the people in the house bring her in and sit her by the fire to warm up. And then a spark from the fire... Um, comes out of the fireplace and just ignites her and she immediately burns to death <sighs> like in a, in a big puff she's just ash jesus <laughs> christ what's that film i don't know I've, I've i think i've mentioned it on a podcast before and no one could help me find out what it was but i remember that kind of upset me as a kid yeah, well, uh, maybe, maybe people are listening uh, they can find it and, and write into us that'd be good yeah maybe they maybe they animated on it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and i think there was I remember, like, things having, like, sort of distressing endings sometimes. There was one... I'm not sure if it was distressing, but I found it kind of, like, unnecessarily, like, why did they end it like that? And it was this weird show. I forget what it was called. You might remember. It was about, like, gnomes, I think. They, people who lived in the woods, and I think they were smaller than, like, garden gnomes, more like borrower-type people. And they're, like... They had this fox 
that they rode like a horse. That was kind of the scale they were. Do you remember this show? No, you're on drugs. No, okay, just imagining. What was it? I don't know. That's the thing. It's weird little people who lived in the woods and they have a fox that they is like their friend and they ride him around. And it's not Fern Gully, is it? No, it was a series, I think. Um. Anyway, they the last ending of that was their the they go into the woods um, to die, essentially, because they've reached the age where they die mm. in their folklore. And the fox is like looking around like, going, where the fuck did they go? <laughs> and then he's all sad, and then he finds a girl fox, and she kind of waggles a bum at him, and he follows her. And so he's he's happy with Larry. <laughs> he's moved on. But then you sort of like see them kind of like um, uh, as ghosts or something, you know, happy ghosts, and they've moved on. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Bit of a weird downer for a kid show. And then there was the ending of Dinosaurs, the puppet show. Yeah, yeah. That one, I was a bit older. I would have been like 10 or 11, but that was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do not end the, the show like that. <laughs> anyway, this one has a bit of a happier ending in that the bad guy died. Well, or he does, or does he? he? Does he? Do, 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 do. Yeah. Did he? We don't know. Oh, probably. Oh, I quite liked the sort of sentiment of like his his story becomes like you know the stuff of legend or things that they 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 say to the the young folk and mm. how he probably would have liked that. Yeah, to sort of like live on in ignominy. So then this troublemaker's back again. Mm. He's like death. He is. Well, he is. He's he's a harbinger of uh, death. Yeah. Follow me. You'll be fine. Trust me. <laughs> it's lovely over here. We got the best grass. Look at him. Oh, look at all the baby bunnies. Tempting him. <laughs> it's funny watching it without sound because the head keeps appearing. It's like, come on. You know you want to. Follow <laughs> me into oblivion, it's mate. It's this way. This way. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Just lie down. Like in that uh, Futurama. Oh, oh. Seymour. Oh, look at him go. Oh. And, we, and all his individual you? hairs are back now. It pops up. Like in the very <laughs> first frame. <laughs> and off he goes. To rabbit hell. Oh. <laughs> 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 Rabbit Hell is the fun one, though. <laughs> da, 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 da. Cigar? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right into the sun. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's a nice way of tying up a film, isn't it? With this kind of folklore and stuff. I think the book was full of the... Uh, the idea of there being different languages and the way that they communicate with one another through um, different languages. I think it's about nature. Yeah. And like the ruthlessness of life. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's just about rabbits. I think you'll find it's just <laughs> this is what it's all about. You can see why it has str- like had so many readings and adaptions and writings about mm. it because it really is very open 
Yes. And there's a lot of symbolism that you could feed it. And there's, because of the different art styles, like especially the more like mythical stuff, you could do just readings on that and trying to connect it to the artwork that it's sort of replicating. Because it has a kind of, like you said early on, like Aboriginal or Native American feel, which also has a kind of, they obviously have a lot of very dense folklore. Hmm. And it's often very centric around animals. And the rabbit is one of the kind of creatures of mis- like mystery animals that are sort of replicated in pretty much every like proper old religions. I'm doing that thing where I just stare at the credits, see if I recognise anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got, so I can just go, oh, such and such was in this film. I'm pretty sure I found the gnome show. It's called David the Gnome. Oh, okay. <laughs> if that what brings a it, Bob. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. It's like Bob the friend. <laughs> <laughs> this would be it because the, the synopsis of the last episode is David and his wife Lisa must go off into the mountains because their time on Earth is almost over. Was it Norwegian? Such such unoriginal, like mythical names, David and Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) It could be your aunt and uncle. (laughs) In fact, I've got an uncle, David and Aunt Lisa. (laughs) Are they gnomes? Uh, I'm I'm taller than them, but yeah, I wouldn't call them gnomes. So when when tell me more about the adventures of David and Lisa. Uh, the fox was called Swift. What a terrible... What is with this show and naming things awfully? It was a Spanish show, and so I guess it was probably in the hands of the translators. Nah. What can we name it that's names. the most boring? Well, David and Lisa are exotic in Spanish. You know, they're like, you know... Yeah. Oh, we've got 20 seconds or 29 seconds left. What are we doing next week, guys? What's the... The thing that we said we wouldn't do, we're going to rush it right at the very end. What two films are we doing next week? We did have a plan, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Why can't we remember? Little Prince versus Cos- Comic Quest. Quest. Oh, fantastic. Right. And there we go. We set that one up as well. Fantastic. All right. Bye, everyone. Love you. Follow us on Twitter and tell us what films we want to do in future. Bye, 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 bye.